Hey folks, welcome to the Doppler Podcast, your source for news, views, and opinions from the ever-changing world of cloud computing. Our mission is simple, to help you navigate your career journey with the best advice, tips, techniques from those who found success in a cloud-first world. The podcast is brought to you by Cloud Technology Partners, an HPE company. My name is Brad Loomis, and joining me today, um, I had the pleasure of meeting him at our uh, Google HashiCorp New York Times event uh, in the May timeframe in lovely New York, is uh, Sean. And Sean and I and uh, a number of us uh, chatted and had some great conversation, but more importantly, covered a lot of different viewpoints together. And by doing so, we realized, hey, let's uh, bring this back for our listeners of the podcast. So I'm uh, happy to have Sean uh, on with me today on the Doppler podcast. Sean, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and uh, we'll uh, get right at it. Yeah, I appreciate it, Brad. My name is Sean Bauer. Uh, I'm a lead engineer at the New York Times. I work on a team called Delivery Engineering. Um, we're essentially the kind of a middleware team. Um, we do um, CI/CD pipeline stuff. We have uh, we run a vault implementation. We're uh, developers for developers. So our job is to help our developers uh, be more agile and go faster. Part of that uh, practice is for us to <clears throat> work on uh, DevSecOps and work on tools that help alert folks to you know possible vulnerabilities before uh, they happen, so they can address them earlier um, in the software development life cycle then later so oh that's great my friend so let, let's uh, hit something up front uh, because there's a lot of, of mystery and myth around DevSecOps I, do me a favor define it from your point of view you're, you're the guy actually living it what is DevSecOps and how does it uh, differ from uh, DevOps from your point of view okay I mean so really in in, in my world view it, it's um uh, it's about uh, shifting from so the models of the past would be you know you you have some sort of scanning tools you have this fleet of servers it's a very known quantity it's got subnets that you know and love and their machines are named and they have five year replacement plans and all that good stuff so like the way of doing things you know uh, in that arena in that space was to you know have um, scanning implementations things that are giving you vulnerability reports and you would attack it sort of after after the vulnerability was introduced you're going to attack it um, and and really what we're doing is we're shifting that um, down downstream right so um, we want that uh, that vulnerability to be addressed um, when developers developing code, we don't want things to go to production that have um, potential issues. We, we want to help developers uh, be empowered to do everything they need to do. So whether that's um, you know their own CI/CD pipeline, whether that's deployment um, or security, we want to we want to push that down the stack um, so that we. Um, you know, in the cloud world, uh, we have the ability to take care of that before um, it, it's you know launched out into the to the great wide void. Um, I think it's really important that we kind of make this shift because um, we we are uh, embracing the cloud, and so we're having uh, machines that spin up out of nowhere, auto scaling, and all that good stuff, and it um, makes the old uh, methods very difficult to employ. And we want to be able to be as secure as possible. Um, in our deployments, and we want to, um, you know, get that <clears throat> same level of excellence that we had in the past, but um, be able to do it in like the crazy speed of the cloud world. 
Oh yeah, it make it makes sense, my friend. And typically, right, uh, if you use the old world way of doing things, uh, the horse would have been out of the barn, right. and you try to rope that sucker to get it back in, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. And uh, move it move it around. So, uh, in your community where you serve developers, uh, what are some of the trends you're seeing? The developer types are uh, latching onto these days. Is it uh, are they enamored with microservices and serverless architecture? Uh, what's some of the shiny things you see uh, developer communities, especially in your world, uh, latch onto specifically in this cloud world? Yeah, I think you know a lot of folks have really clamored into microservices, and there's many beautiful, wonderful things about that. The speed at which you can develop and deploy is, is definitely much greater. Um, it's interesting. So definitely at the New York Times, we've we've um, you know, done this. So we have 40 plus teams that are all developing their APIs and we sort of have to tie them all together. Um, we have a view layer that kind of, you know, um, takes all this data and then creates a web page. And um, what's sort of interesting is, is the idea that like we moved away from the monolith by creating microservices, but with our microservice architecture, we've in a way created this thing that no one understands that is sort of its monolith of its own, right? So um, definitely like moving to microservices but that also, you know, you know, like I said, we're sort of creating that piece of software that we don't understand because of all that interconnected um, pieces that no one's looking at. So um, now we're trying to figure out, like, you know, how do we wrangle that, right? Like, what tools can we bring to bear on that entire stack to make it more manageable and actually, like, digestible to understand for, you know, um, technologists in a company? How, from your point of view, it seems like in, in when every... But he's done the uh, the chunk right uh, and bust off into these nice tight consu- uh, consumable pieces, and then uh, API all the things. Right, it's it's hard to. Uh, unpack and then I uh, actually get even just sometimes get a visual on right of uh, all the interconnectedness at a given time and then tie the ephemerality of the environment underneath you um, sometimes you're lucky if you get the the right bite out the door uh. oh yeah I mean it, it really like you know you know another charge of our team is, is you know, we, we have a, an SRE, you know, waiting, right? And so we're trying to, like, up the reliability. And, I mean, we're, we're finding that, like, again, there's so many great things about microservices and, and having uh, APIs that have, um, you know, awareness and, and the ability to fail gracefully and the ability to do circuit breakers and all sorts of good stuff. But um, what we find out is that, you know, it's, it's <clears throat> when we have failures, it's because some, some upstream or downstream wasn't understood, right? So there's... Um, still that kind of like you know interconnected layer that's not well understood and you know we're, we're in a multi-cloud environment we've got um, a lot of stuff in google and kubernetes and then a lot of stuff that's still in amazon and we're running things across um, we're running things through um, uh, tunnels across and trying to figure out how all that traffic works and how to monitor all that and how to keep it all up and running right so yeah it becomes very difficult <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's understanding that true uh, multi-cloud, and you guys are living the dream. Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> sometimes I'm sure uh, when things go south, uh, outside of the situation may feel like sometimes a nightmare, but uh, the speed and agility payoffs and, and then the hope and rationalization as you guys move forward through there, it sounds like you'll see even more uh, benefits back to the organization. Yeah. Uh, 
being in that multi-cloud world, from your point of view on the security side of things, what should folks take a look at, right? Can they try to normalize between the clouds? What are some of the best practices or the facepalm moments you've seen and go, yeah, we should probably do it a different way? I think the the most difficult part is trying um, is trying to normalize stuff. So, I mean, uh, we of course have to you know live by regulations. We have PCI DSS. Um, we do that in Amazon, and there's a certain way we do it there. Uh, we're working on how to do it in Google, and there isn't parity between the two clouds at all, right? So, maybe in Amazon we can use something like CloudTrail. CloudTrail is going to give us like audibility literally over everything on the account and then we have to try to figure out how to do that in google and it's either not the same or or in some cases non-existent so um <clears throat> the biggest problem we have is trying to figure out how to be um to apply our uh you know internal uh pci uh, requirements across both clouds and in, in a consistent manner and that's something that's still an ongoing project for us because we're um, we started uh, in Amazon, so that's a kind of well-known process. But um, you know, trying to replicate a lot of that in Google has been uh, difficult. Some of the tools that Amazon provides aren't built in. Uh, we're trying to come up to speed on things like uh, Forseti and Google Cloud Security Command Center. Um, <clears throat> but in the Google way, there's a lot of products uh, that are in beta. There's a lot of products that we have to kind of glue together uh, to make all that work. Um, so we're kind of now looking also maybe uh, to look at third-party solutions that would be um, kind of help to you know provide you know dashboards and reports that are yeah. across those clouds and try to like do it in a more consistent way. Um, because I mean, one of the things that's becoming clear to us with, with multi-cloud environments and trying to meet all these requirements is that um, it just becomes very complex. So um, having <clears throat> You know, hopefully we can find a vendor that can to help us um, reduce some of that complexity um, because it just, you know, creates a lot of work on our end. Yeah, no, it's a, it, it's a double-edged sword, right? Uh, we always preach cloud native and goes cloud native as fast right. as you can. However, when you when you uh, bifurcate that into a multiple cloud journey, right, you have to be uh, language experts in each of the cloud platforms mm-hmm. out there. And then by doing so, right, that in- introduces more complexity and or learning cycles. And then you need to take a step back and say, hey, how can I uh, normalize this without losing the agility, without using the ability. And the last thing typically, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, right? You don't want to turn these clouds and just do a, a VM or a container right. vending machines. There's <laughs> there's higher level services you want to take advantage of. And I think that's really one of the big um, issues, right? Like I think to, to get use, um, to get the most out of the cloud experience, you have to really use the tools they provide, right? So. Yep. Um, if we were to like roll back and just say use EC2 and GCE, we could probably be much more consistent. Um, HashiCorp has a, a nice squadron of tools, if you will, that kind sure. of help you do that. But um, to get the most benefit out of it, we're looking at GKE or GAE or um, Lambdas or Cloud Functions or you know um, you know Elastic Beanstalk or EKS, right? So um, that's where it becomes. Uh, difficult so even like take a gke versus uh, eks right kubernetes is kubernetes but that's just yeah. so not true right like yeah i agree <laughs> the, way, the way you do it on one cloud is completely different than the way you do it on another cloud and the security profiles are different vpc networking is vastly oh. different right so 
Agreed. Agreed. Um, well, uh, they only share Kubernetes in the name, and that's the only right. thing, right? <laughs> the, K, the K is the same. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but it's all the same. This is the cloud. Right. It's, yeah. all, it's, all, it's all YAML, right? So yeah. <laughs> now, I agree, my man. It's, uh, it's uh, interesting times, and I think the more complexity that gets uh, put upon all of us, right, we got to work uh, smarter ways to distill that down. And, right. and honestly, at that point, right, looking at uh, tooling sets out there that have sort of, it, it used to be a dirty word, but a CMP, a cloud management platform, mm-hmm. um, but have those tweaked more in that multi-cloud view, but uh, still allow the agility. I think that's probably the sweet spot uh, where folks should start be putting some time around, especially oh, yeah. as if you try to do it at scale, right? They, uh, Every organization, I'm sure, has heroes like you, Sean, uh, <laughs> sure. sl- slinging, cl- <laughs> slinging code, learning uh, learning native as fast as they can. But for the rank and file, right, at some point, uh, they probably will need to lean on a tool a little bit more than others. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, we're kind of entering, um, maybe just starting to enter the golden age of the SaaS product, right? That um, yeah. even folks like me are very like, old school want to do it themselves and roll their own like have come to the point where like it's just not feasible like uh some of it you're gonna have to do yourself some of it is unique to you you know what your value add is um whatever your company's doing um a lot of it's not right like <clears throat> data dog uh is out there doing monitoring and i bet um they're doing it in a way that most people could take advantage of so you know not to plug any specific vendors, but if you're looking at metrics, observability, um, logging, like there's there's vendors out there that are doing these things and they're probably going to be able to do it cheaper than you're going to uh, roll yeah. your own solution, right? And they already have all the hooks to all these magic new products. I think more importantly, I think talking about the clouds, like these cloud vendors are releasing like 48 products a day, roughly. So, oh, yeah. Um, you you or us as like the practitioners in, a, in an office don't have time to keep up on that. So having a cloud uh, vendor that their sole purpose is logging, for instance, so where, where they can keep up on all the changes and all the different products and how to tie them together and what IAM permissions you need, right? Like, that's fantastic. Like, it's just <laughs> stuff I don't have time to do. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Well, it, it, and I equate it to more of the plumbing aspect of it, uh, of the environments, right? You want to focus on uh, being the practitioner, right? Supporting your dev teams, the higher value work. And if there's uh, stuff you can move off the plate in sort of that SaaS, MSP type model, uh, take advantage of it, man. It's it's only going to serve you a best purpose. So that that uh, kind of segues in. Uh, you and I were chatting before, uh, and to your point of how many new releases are coming out a day. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a, how do you stay current? And more importantly, what do you stay current on these days? If you had to make some choices uh, from your point of view, where, where should folks be spending the time and any uh, tips, tricks, techniques on how they do it? I think this is a very difficult question in today's world. I think that uh, I entered in IT knowing that like I would have to continually learn, and, and I love that, and I, and I have, uh, and I still do. Um, but things come at such a rapid pace to keep up with it all is essentially impossible. Um, uh, not only, like, if you, if you just put, picked a, a single cloud vendor, like, trying to keep up yeah. on their offerings would be, you know, close to impossible. So, I mean, what I try to do is is stay current on, um, you know, the trends that are sort of important to 
our organization. So like I'm looking at Kubernetes. So I like to, you know, scour the YouTubes and and go to every conference I can't physically go to, right? Like we live in a beautiful age where you don't have to go to a conference and um, watch or go to a bunch of presentations you don't want to go to. You can just, you know, grab the ones that people like, hey, you really need to watch this, right? They're all out there. So um, I definitely love that. Like YouTube is a big, big friend of mine. Um, I try to, I've tried to keep up with the blogs, but uh, to be honest, uh, you know, I, I kind of have a couple of medium, uh, you know, queries out there and I read as much as I can. Um, but that's, you know, difficult to keep up on as well. Um, I've kind of <clears throat> got to the point where keeping up on like all the technologies is just not reasonable. So I, I like to keep up on things like where's where's the industry going? Like, what are the business processes? Like, how, how is the industry changing? So, like, I, I try to step back a little bit and try to see big picture uh, stuff and kind of keep up on trends. Um, and again, most of that's just uh, blogs and researching and, and keeping up on the YouTube for different conferences. But I think this is the, the thing where people have to you know, put aside X amount of time a week to, to do that, to hone, hone those skills and, you know, keep this all sharp. Um, it's not, uh, you know, years ago when we first started, uh, so before New York Times, I was at Cornell University. I was a cloud architect there for um, three years. And um, it was, you know, when Amazon was really just getting into the web services. And I, and I really would just pick up every single thing, like every, every release of a product, I'd pick it up and do their tutorial, right? And um, and I and I wish I could continue to do that, but yeah. <laughs> I, never mind uh, the trappings of the job, external pressures, family, friends, all right. that. Uh, it it fights for time. I, it's uh, I I hear you. It's uh, I I curate uh, a bunch of YouTube uh, channels as well, yeah. and I'll cherry pick certain videos off or get them sent to me. Um, I. It's uh, in our household. Uh, we actually got rid of uh, TVs and got cut the cord completely. I think uh, we only have a uh, Netflix account for uh, uh, my girlfriend's son. And other than that, it's uh, YouTube and uh, do a fair amount of uh, blog reading as well. But yeah. to your point, you, you can't do it all and you can't be an expert in everything, right? So you got to pick and choose your battles yeah. at that point. I think- uh, Finding, finding a couple of, like I try to find a, like a podcast or something I can listen to that is structured in a way where they don't dive deep on stuff but they kind of go over like I'll, I'll get, uh, listen to this week in security or something right yeah and find find a podcast about the subject you like that kind of just gives you like a survey course of that subject right so they're not going to go deep but they're going to get you thinking about different concepts that you can go back later and kind of like nail nail home I think that's that's my biggest like trick these days is I guess to try to um, keep listening or reading something that kind of gives you a survey of what's going on so that I can dive deep on the things I really find interesting. So yeah, no that that's perfect. It's funny our uh, compadres that sat on the panel with us, both of them uh, mentioned the the fine art of skimming. Right, yeah. uh, stay stay surface level as much as you can, and then dive deep on those one or two topics or things that interest you. Yep. Uh, as you need it, but at least you still are maintaining it, uh, at least relevance from that point of view. So given that you've been uh, 
looking at this industry. You've been in this industry uh, as well. Uh, let's put it on the crystal ball. Um, if you had uh, to predict a couple years out, uh, what do you think uh, how this landscape would be uh, be changing, right? I think we're at a point now, uh, I think a number of us were talking as well, right? Um, we're not seeing, uh, we're seeing iterative releases, but not right. necessarily transformative releases. And I'd be curious to get your take on uh, uh, forward predicting some of those trends out there as well. Because again, you're living, the, living it uh, as we speak. So I think it's kind of an interesting uh, point in time. So when I was at Cornell, we were an early adopter of Docker. It was pre pre 1.0, um, and it was that was a huge game changer, right? Like, <laughs> just totally oh, yeah. disruptive to the to the industry. Um, and you know now, you know, flash forward seven years, six, eight, I don't know, years later, um, we're sort of still there, right? Like, um, the promise of serverless hasn't been realized. I don't I don't see a bunch of folks that are. Um, pushing like everything into like cloud functions or lambdas at this point I, th- I feel like a lot of folks are still getting their feet wet in that arena but um at least from my perspective it's not you know like a huge shift in that direction so i'm i'm kind of yeah you know, i feel like we're kind of in this um in this space right now we're we're, we're definitely waiting for that next like huge game changing type thing right so we're we're seeing very iterative releases people you know you know doubling down on um the things that go around containers right like your yeah. orchestration layers and um your schedulers and um you know now now the focus is on how do we you know monitor that how do we you know do security around that do patches and vulnerability management and all that good stuff um so i mean this is probably a pretty lame answer but my, my prediction is that that's what where we're going to be in the next three years right we're still really perfecting um something that that we um you know we sort of ran like the, the whole industry just sort of ran with docker right and containerization um and now it's really at the point where people like doing it for real like docker's in production everywhere right but the reality is like the tooling around it is still um in need of some love so i think that we're sort of in this like uh cycle of of, of making things look better i think uh, uh it's also <clears throat> the cloud docker you know containerization ephemerality is is still just gelling now right like i feel yeah. like it's that meteorite that hit this like really just cooling off right <laughs> and uh, i i uh i see that you know we are still got a lot to do to perfect or 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 to really um bring that up to speed and i think the the interesting thing apart uh, about kind of the journey of that over the last few years is you can uh, there was no such thing as DevOps when I when I started in IT, like, <laughs> right? Like we the closest, we had ops, man. We, That's we all we had, had. Ops, right? Like, yeah, you just you know you answer the phone when it rang and you fix it in production probably. Um, uh, but I think it's interesting to watch the cultural changes um, with DevOps, and now I mean DevSecOps is even newer, and I think that's. Um, a sign of the maturing of that, like that Docker meteorite hit, and now we're kind of all still in the cloud uh, as well. Like, um, and now we're all sort of realizing that we have to do things differently. Like, we have to do development differently, and now we have to do security differently. And we're just <clears throat> kind of at that point now where we're sort of, um, as an industry, figuring that out. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, my friend. It's. Uh, it, it's it seems like uh, you'll see two or three uh, 
revolutionary leaps forward and then the evolutionary leap forward of the ecosystem needs to catch up with it so you can uh still run uh business as unusual right so (laughs) uh, to adapt to it uh but uh, no i as always uh love chatting with you and we'll have uh we'll get the band back together on this uh, future podcast here with uh, myself Stu stant jeff mitchell and you and uh continue on the frivolity of uh these conversations (laughs) Um, if folks want to reach out to you directly and uh, connect with you online, what's the best way to do it? Sure. Um, you can hit me up at sean.bauer at nytimes.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, so you can hit me up there if, uh, if you want as well. So, oh, Thanks so much, Sean. As, as always, uh, great talking with you and getting uh, some good insight from uh, someone out there actually making it all happen. I appreciate it, Brad. This is kind of like a cathartic uh, session for me. So yeah. <laughs> I, did, I didn't even have to pay those uh, big rates. So. <laughs> uh, the Doppler therapy th- session coming to a city near you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always. So, folks, uh, that wraps us up today. Please feel free to connect with me at bradloomis.net, uh, the website for all my socials with any questions concerns or comments don't forget to go to cloudtp.com for current cloud news links to this podcast and more ways to contact us directly and for cloud news delivered directly to your inbox every friday morning go to cloudtp.com for slash doppler and sign up for the weekly report and as always my friends out there take care and make it a great day